Heal Thyself Using a Holistic Approach with Dr. Eric Madrid. Welcome to today's podcast. Today we're going to be talking about migraine headaches. If you've had a migraine before, you know how debilitating it can be. Uh, people frequently will miss work as a result of the severity of this headache. So stay tuned and find out what you can do, whether through a dietary approach or from a supplement approach in order to help prevent your migraine from ever starting. So today's podcast, we're going to be talking about migraines. So thank you very much for all those who've been listening to my podcast. And if this is your first time, I hope you enjoy it. Please make sure you look back through our prior podcast as we think you'll find some information uh, there that uh, useful. Uh, also, if you've uh, been listening to the podcast, please uh, visit us on uh, iTunes or in the um, Apple podcast store and please leave us a review. Uh, I did get a review. It's a four-star review, but I'm going to go ahead and read it from a uh, Bonita Creative. She states, I love the content of this podcast. The variety of health topics is outstanding. However, I can only listen to a little bit at a time as I find the constant background music to be extremely distracting and the super loud transitional sound effects annoying and sometimes even painful of wearing earbuds. Dr. Madrid, your content is excellent. No need to overdo the sound. So, Benita, thank you for the feedback and um, taking your uh, suggestions to heart. I will uh, be eliminating some of the transitions and hopefully we can do a little bit better uh, job with the background music. And uh, hopefully uh, you continue to be a listener. And uh, again, anyone else out there, please leave us some feedback and uh you know, good and negative, we will, we do appreciate it. And, uh, constantly I'm trying to improve my, uh, my performance here. And, uh, I definitely feel I have some good information to share with you. And I want to make sure that it's something that's enjoyable and something that you could, uh, listen to, uh, smoothly. And so again, as mentioned today, we're going to be talking about migraine headaches. If you suffer from migraines, you know how bad they can be. If you have a family member that suffers from them or a friend, you might want to share this podcast with them as the information in here and the suggestions may be life-changing um, in the sense of uh, being able to eliminate uh, migraines uh, can be one uh, big accomplishment. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, migraines, for those who aren't familiar with them, they're usually uh, described as a painful, throbbing headache. Sometimes it can be associated with nausea and vomiting, uh, light sensitivity as well. Uh, worldwide, actually, about a billion people are affected, right? So, so this equates to somewhere about one in seven people will experience this type of headache at some point in their life. Women, for some reason, te- uh, seem to be a little bit more affected than men. About one in five women are affected, and the numbers are about one in 15 for men, right? In, in the United States alone, management of migraine headaches are believed to cost the healthcare system about $78 billion annually. So again, if we can inexpensively and effectively help prevent these, not only can we help improve uh, one's quality of life, but we can save the healthcare system a lot of money. Uh, The fact that migraines is also a a big reason people miss work, right? There's a lot of uh, decreased productivity as well associated with uh, those who have migraines. So so if we can help you uh, achieve better control of your migraines, uh, your job may be... uh, 
uh, more enjoyable and uh, less sick days. So that's a win-win for everybody. All right, migraine headaches are a leading reason uh, patients visit their primary physician and also a big reason why they go to the emergency room. I've had many patients over the years who get these recurrent headaches. They end up going to the emergency room and unfortunately, they frequently will have CT scans. I remember one patient in particular years ago who would get these horrible migraine headaches and uh, and she would end up in the hospital probably every every uh, maybe two to three months and um, and she would be given uh, opiate medication which would help take the edge off but they were recurrent and despite seeing all the specialists uh, and all the best treatments available at the time uh, she wasn't able to completely eliminate them and I went back and looked through uh, her records and she had had something like over 20 head CTs over the prior five years, right? And obviously there's a lot of radiation associated with this. So uh, obviously this is occasionally necessary because uh, headaches can also be caused by bleeds, uh, subarachnoid hemorrhages and intracranial bleeds. So so occasionally a, a CT scan is necessary. But again, if, if you personally have uh, migraine headaches and you're constantly going to the emergency room, uh, you definitely want to, uh, you know, try to avoid the CT scans unless absolutely necessary, especially if the migraine is identical to prior migraines, right? Obviously, if the migraine is new or it's different and, and it's unlike any other migraine you've had, then a CT scan is probably not a bad idea. But uh, make sure you ask the ER doctor if it's really necessary and uh, try to avoid the CT scans um, uh, if, if at all possible. So, Causes of migraine, well, I think there's still a lot of uh, speculation on this, but they do appear to be triggered by malfunctioning nerves and blood vessels in the brain, which uh, inappropriately will activate what doctors will call the trigeminal cervical pain system uh, via cortical spreading depression. So basically kind of doc talk here, but basically things aren't working as they should be working. And the end result is this horrible, horrible headache. And, um, but obviously it's important that doctors learn how and why migraines start and this way they can also help not only to treat, but hopefully help to prevent them as well. There also appears to be a genetic component to migraine headaches as mothers and daughters uh, are frequently both affected and two thirds of those with migraines tend to have a family history. There's also some thought that irritable bowel syndrome, and this has been my experience, a lot, a lot of patients with irritable bowel syndrome, IBS, uh, sometimes referred to as leaky gut, small intestinal, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, or, or uh, and maybe you haven't had this diagnosis before, but if you have bowel issues uh, such as a lot of bloating, constipation, diarrhea, or any combination of the two, then you may actually have irritable bowel syndrome. But it seems like irritable bowel syndrome is common in those with migraines. And some theorize that uh, basically the gut microbiome, the good bacteria in the gut are thrown off. And this may lead to what's called mitochondrial dysfunction. Uh, so the mitochondria are the powerhouses of, of our cells. And, and there's some thought that this may be related to the cause of the migraine. So I'm not going to go into that at this point in too much detail. That's actually probably for another podcast. But uh, mitochondrial dysfunction is a pretty good theory that um, I researched. And I think it's uh, makes a lot of sense. So again, the symptoms of the migraine we kind of discussed already, but it's severe head pain, throbbing, nausea, vomiting. Some people will get an aura or, um, or like a vis visualization of these zigzag lines uh, that can really uh, affect 
their um, their state of being. Uh, loud sound, bright light can also make it worse. So I'll frequently see uh, patients when they come into my office with wearing their sunglasses when. Uh, Uh, when I walk into the room, I, I know they have a migraine because they will frequently be wearing sunglasses indoors just because of the sensitivity. Um, common triggers of migraines, right? So, so again, if we can find out what is the trigger and what's the cause of the migraine, then this is a huge, huge step forward into uh, reducing the frequency uh, of your of your migraine headaches. So I, I think it's very important that uh, individuals with migraines keep a food journal Right? Maybe uh, depending on the frequency of your migraines, uh, if you get them weekly, you might want to keep a daily food journal. If you get them uh, once or twice, uh, you know, every few months, then you may want to simply do a, what we call a 24 hour recall. So once you get the migraine, uh, be real diligent and look back the, the prior 24, maybe even 48 hours and try, uh, write down everything you recall having eaten and see whether or not you can find an underlying theme. But common uh, migraine triggers include cheese, for example, right? So cheese is well loved by a lot of people, uh, and uh, including myself, right? But some people will be sensitive to the amino acid called tyramine inside of the cheese, and this can be a trigger for some people. Uh, wine is also a common trigger, right, due to the presence of sulfites. And I know what you're saying. Are you kidding me? You're telling me I need to give up cheese and wine? These are some of... Uh, you know, many people's favorite, favorite uh, vices and stuff. So, um, so again, if you have uh, migraines, yeah, you, these might be the problem. And uh, only by avoiding them will you figure that out. But again, yeah, wine has sulfites in it. And I think they do sell uh, sulfite-free wine. So you might want to uh, look into that um, if you think wine might be the, might be the issue. Food additives as well, such as monosodium glutamate and even food dyes. I've seen those cause migraine headaches for some people. So again, be real diligent as to uh, uh, any food dyes that uh, might be in foods that are being consumed and MSG. One, one thing about MSG too, a lot of uh, restaurants will say no MSG added, right? That's different than no MSG present. So again, some foods will have MSG in them uh, in the processing and simply the restaurant is saying that they're not adding additional MSG. So again, pay attention as to whether or not it says MSG free versus no MSG added and, and try to uh, do a little bit more research and see whether or not the food you are consuming may actually have MSG. Uh, those are the history of head trauma and concussions, right? Traumatic brain injury. So this is common, unfortunately, for some high school athletes and college athletes. Um, and again, so if you've had a history of head trauma or concussion, that may actually be one of the reasons uh, you're at increased risk for these migraines. And it may be that in addition to some of these other things. So again, it's it's never or, or rarely, I should say, I should never say never, but it's rarely just one thing. A lot of times it's a combination of multiple things uh, that contribute to the migraine. Uh, sleep deprivation is another common trigger and sleep apnea. So again, a person might have sleep deprivation due to sleep apnea, have a history of a head trauma or a concussion, perhaps when they were, uh, were pay, playing uh, college high, or college uh, volleyball or football or any other sport, uh, or perhaps even an auto accident. And then only then in the presence of wine and, or cheese, maybe uh, that would prevent a, a migraine information or prevent a migraine or cause a migraine um to occur so again pay attention to that other common triggers are um, are chronic stress right and, and who doesn't have stress nowadays so so finding ways to minimize stress through um exercise and other routines super super important <coughs> 
uh, hormone changes as well. So some uh, people will have migraines. Some women will have migraines uh, around uh, perimenopausal time of their life. So again, that can be a trigger. Uh, caffeine can trigger migraines in some people while preventing it in others. So again, that's uh, based on each individual person. Dehydration is another big one. A lot of times, if you have a dry mouth right now as you're listening to this podcast, you're probably at least mildly dehydrated. So, so make sure you're drinking plenty of water to make sure your mouth is not dry, and to make sure you have a, uh, you're urinating, uh, you know, several times throughout the day. Uh, and, and last but not least, one of the uh, common triggers that I see is um, artificial sweeteners, right? So aspartame, also known as NutraSweet, uh, also known as Equal, are found in Equal, which is the name brand for aspartame, uh, frequently found in diet uh, soda drinks, diet Coke, diet Pepsi, any diet or zero calorie beverage, a lot of times will have aspartame. So again, uh, a lot of times this is a common trigger and you won't really know until you completely, completely eliminate it. So let me go back and talk about some of the other foods too that can uh, that can sometimes um, trigger migraine headaches. According to the National Headache Foundation, they provide a list of foods that may trigger migraine headaches. And again, they include cheese as we discussed, um, pickled or dried herring, chocolate for some might be a trigger. Um, sour cream, nuts, peanut butter, sourdough bread, maybe a trigger, uh, lima beans, fava beans, and snow peas can be a trigger for some, and uh, figs, raisins, papayas, even avocados might be a trigger for some people. So, um, so these are definitely uh, things that a lot of people have not thought about. Bananas, pizza, uh, um, and also like sausage, bologna, pepperoni, pepperoni pizza, right? So, uh, summer sausage, hot dogs, all these things can also be triggers. So, so again, just kind of pay attention. And, and just because the food is on the list does not mean that it's the problem, but you do, do need to be aware of these different foods so you can find out what works uh, and what may be a, an issue for you. Frequently, uh, doctors will prescribe medicines, right? If you do have migraine headaches. So, uh, these medications usually include things like acetaminophen, uh, also known as Tylenol or paracetamol, NSAIDs, nan- uh, nat- uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, right? and these include uh, medications like um, ibuprofen, Advil, uh, naproxen, diclofenac, Salabrex, and so on. So these medications can be helpful if you get the occasional uh, migraine headache. However, long-term use, they have some uh, potential risk for gastric ulcers, acid reflux, kidney disease, and so on. Uh, there's a class of medications called triptans. Right? And the most popular drug in this class is probably sumatriptan, also known as Imitrex. Right? There's one called uh, Zolmatriptan and Rizatriptan, also known as Zomeg or Maxalt. And these are medications that actually are quite effective. Um, and they're to be used as soon as the migraine headache starts. And they usually are repeated uh, an hour or two later if the uh, migraine is still persisting. Um, sometimes patients do need to take opiates, right, for severe migraine headaches. And again, these should be used only when the headache is severe, really should not be used on a regular basis. But some of these medications include tramadol, hydrocodone, morphine, uh, dilated oxycodone. But again, uh, because they're um, 
has a high, you know, there there's a high risk for abuse. About 10% of people who use them may actually become a, uh, addicted to them. Uh, opiates are actually derived from the opium uh, poppy, and just worldwide right now, it's a, it's a bad epidemic, right? Not only,、uh, you know, obviously in the United States, but Europe, Russia, Asia,、uh, in the U.S. alone last year, there were almost.、Uh, 20, almost 30,000 people who died in 2017. Almost 30,000 Americans died from、um, accidental and、uh, purposeful overdoses from opiate medications. Right, so 30,000 people. Let that sink in. This does not include heroin, by the way.、Uh, about 16,000 people died from heroin. Right, and、uh, and to put this in perspective, so we had 30,000 people dying from synthetic opiates, meaning those that were、uh, prescription. Uh, and, and then another sixteen thousand from heroin, so we're talking forty-five thousand people. And cocaine had fourteen thousand deaths, while methamphetamine or speed had about a little under eleven thousand deaths. So, so again, the uh, doctor's uh, prescription pad of opiates is actually killing uh, uh, as many people as、uh, illegal drugs such as cocaine and methamphetamine. So, so this, these should really be used very sparingly. Uh, other time, other medications that we'll use for migraines include anti-nausea medicines.、Uh, there's a new class of medicines that are being developed. They're called CGRP receptor antagonists, right? So that stands for calcitonin gene-related peptide、uh, antagonist. Blah blah blah. Anyway, these are a class of medicines that are being studied and may be more common in the future to help treat migraines, and they may have less side effects. But、uh, but time will tell, and we need to wait and see what the、uh, the data ultimately shows. So. Obviously, if we can prevent the migraines from starting. That's going to be very helpful.、Um, there's two approaches to this. There's pharmaceutical drugs which can help prevent migraines, and there's also、uh, some supplements which I'll be discussing.、Uh, it's estimated that only about 38 percent, so only four in ten,、uh, so about four in ten migraine sufferers are actually candidates for preventive therapy. And by that, I mean that they actually have them. Frequently enough that they should actually consider it, right? If you get a migraine once a year or twice a year, probably does not make sense to be taking a、uh, medication every single day. But if you're having them weekly or even、uh, a couple times a month, then taking a preventive medicine、uh, may be a good approach. So, so doctors will frequently prescribe、uh, medications such as propanolol,、uh, amitriptyline, valproic acid, Topamax.、Uh, I prescribe these to many patients over the years. And、uh, and and they're pretty good overall. I mean, they don't work for everybody, and sometimes a person may have to, you know, try one medicine and then another and another until they find the one that's perfect for them. But I try to,、uh, you know, really minimize the use of of the pharmaceuticals, and I actually try to use the supplements first. And then when those don't work, or if they only work minimally, then I'll add a pharmaceutical medication. So so that might be something to ask your doctor about. Uh, about whether or not、um, you should try these supplements first before uh, the uh, prescription medications, right? Obviously, prevention is truly the best medication, and、uh, trying to avoid the migraine from starting is really just the best strategy here. I frequently tell my patients that you know, again, diet and lifestyle changes are extremely important, and、um, and you know, and when all else fails, if if, if the、uh, prescriptions don't work, if the Of、uh, the supplements don't work. Sometimes they need to go to a specialist and get Botox injections, and I've seen that work as well. So, so a couple lifestyle things though that I think are really important for people who are trying to prevent migraines is, is they need to really focus on on、uh, 
uh, detoxifying the body, right? So there's so many toxins that a lot of us are exposed to over the last hundreds of years. Thousands and thousands of chemicals have been created by by these big companies and, and unfortunately discarded into our water supply, discarded into our air and even our home environments. And with many of these chemicals, we really have limited information on how they affect us, how they affect our physiology, how they affect our brain, and, uh, and you know, even they most likely probably even increase our risk for cancer, uh, as evident by the fact that cancer has become extremely, extremely more common over the last century. Uh, part of that is due to better diagnosis, but part of it is simply due to the fact that there is more cancer. Um, so a lot of the things in our environment, you know, heavy metal poisoning, arsenic, mercury, cadmium, lead, uh, and just or just chemicals from the uh, from plastics as well, right? What are called persistent organic pollutants or pops, phthalates, volatile organic compounds, PFCs, benzene, uh, bisphenol A, also known as BPA, which uh, most of you, if you have a, a water bottle that you reuse, you probably have one that's BPA free. If not, make sure you have one that's BPA-free. Um, and so, again, trying to avoid exposure to a lot of these chemicals may be just a small part of helping to not only help prevent cancer, but also helping to uh, prevent migraine headaches as well. Um, so detoxifying the body is super important um, to healing the body, right? And then simply cleaning up the diet as well. So we talked about the common foods that can be triggers and a lot of these processed foods that we're consuming have chemicals that are foreign to the human body. We call those xenobiotics. Uh, and these, again, also have just negative effects on our physiology. Uh, there's many food preservatives and food dyes to which some may be sensitive. Uh, over the years, I've had uh, patients with migraine headaches who actually do quite well when they avoid dairy products. Uh, so not just cheese, but also ice cream and milk, right? And other patients who do well when they avoid grains and glutens. And part of this might simply be due to the chemicals, such as uh, glyphosate or Roundup that's in the chemical, or um, or maybe just some other reaction to it. But again, um, these patients don't necessarily have celiac disease, but they have what's called a non-celiac gluten sensitivity. Uh, so again, until you eliminate some of these foods from your diet, and then reintroduce them maybe a couple weeks later, you, it'll be hard to determine whether or not they're uh, related to your migraine or any other health issue you may be having. Uh, I've had other patients who are sensitive to corn, right? So it's easy to avoid corn, so you think, but corn is also part of high fructose corn syrup. Uh, and so again, you have to really read the food labels Ideally, you want to eat food without labels, right? So you want to eat food without labels because that's going to be the most natural of the food and not have the chemicals in it. Uh, also, dietary-wise, you're going to want to just consume a diet high in fruits and vegetables. That's a really good place to start. If possible, a pesticide-free or organic fruits and vegetables should be purchased. There's a uh, list that's uh, been put out by the Environmental Working Group called the Clean 13 and the Dirty Dozen. So I'm going to go ahead and put the link in the uh, description. But basically, the the clean 13 are the uh, the foods that basically do not absorb the pesticides to the same degree. So you could potentially eat these foods uh, without purchasing them in the organic method. Uh, and then you have the dirty dozen, 
foods, which are the ones that tend to absorb more pesticides. So uh, let me give you the name or the foods actually. So the Dirty Dozen, these foods here you should probably try to purchase organic if possible, right? Strawberries, spinach, nectarines, apples, peaches, pears, cherries, uh, grapes, celery, tomatoes, sweet bell peppers, and potatoes. And the reason these are called the Dirty Dozen is if you think about the fruits that I just mentioned, And again, I've done another podcast on this in the past, but if you think about those things that I just mentioned, they have a thin layer, a thin skin. So they're able to absorb um, pesticides a lot more easy and subsequently we consume them. Whereas the Clean 15 includes things like sweet corn uh, because it has a husk around it, uh, avocados, pineapple, cabbage, onions, papayas, mangoes, eggplant, honeydew, cantaloupe, cauliflower, grapefruit. Anyway, these are fruits and uh, vegetables that have a layer of protection around them. So those ones, it's not as important that you buy organic and you can save your money for the, uh, for the dirty dozen. Uh, also, if you, you know, if you consume meat, uh, trying to do a grass-fed, hormone-free, antibiotic-free uh, option is probably not a bad idea. It can definitely be a little bit more expensive. Uh, but again, if, if you are um, sensitive to um, some of the chemicals, it might... Uh, It might be worth the extra cost. And obviously, after cleaning up your diet, adequately hydrating and, you know, trying to reduce the stress in your life, balance, you know, exercising, getting good sleep, there are a few other approaches that I'll usually recommend to my patients uh, to help prevent migraine headaches. There are, you know, scientific studies that will back this up as well. So, um, so there's about eight supplements or so that are eight or nine supplements that I'm going to discuss Uh, so again, at any time, go ahead and pause this. You can write down the supplements. I'm going to put the list of them also in the uh, description, uh, with the dose that I recommend. So again, if you just want to listen, that's fine. And then you can look at the description and, um, and look at the different supplements. I don't recommend necessarily taking all these supplements at once. There's nine supplements and I'm going to go in order actually from the ones that I think are the most beneficial to the least beneficial. So, so the ones that I talk about first are the ones that I would recommend. Uh, the first one is riboflavin, right? also known as vitamin B2. Uh, this vitamin has been shown to be very effective in preventing migraine headaches. A 2017 study in the Journal of Clinical Pharmacy and Therapeutics uh, was a, actually reviewed 11 other studies. It's what we call a meta-analysis. And this kind of gives it more power and more strength because instead of just one study, it's actually 11 studies combined. And after reviewing those 11 studies, the researchers concluded that riboflavin is well-tolerated, inexpensive, and has demonstrated efficacy or efficiency in the reduction of adult patients' migraine headache frequency, right? So basically taking riboflavin can help prevent your migraine headaches. This was also uh, shown in a 2014 study out of Canada in a Canadian family physician showed that riboflavin could also be useful in children with migraine headaches. Right? So we didn't mention that earlier, but, but adults aren't the only ones who have migraines. Children can always have them or can also have them as well. But again, it's important, uh, you know, if a child has a headache that's not in their usual character, uh, they definitely need to be evaluated by a doctor. Don't just assume it's a migraine. Uh, so again, this study is really, or these recommendations are for people who've already been diagnosed with migraines, not for those who have uh, new onset headaches of unknown, uh, unknown reason. Uh, how much riboflavin should you take? Well, adults, probably about 400 milligrams daily. 
and kids, uh, depending on the age. Uh, younger kids about 100 milligrams, and then teenagers can go up to 400 milligrams daily.、Um, the second supplement that I frequently recommend for, for my patients is magnesium. Right, I've literally recommended magnesium probably to dozens and dozens of patients who are afflicted with migraines over the last decade.、Uh, from my experience, it works in about four out of five people, and that it helps to prevent the migraines from starting, and also helps to reduce their frequency. Uh, and a 2017 study in the Journal of Head and Face Pain concluded that migraine headaches could be prevented with magnesium. Other studies have shown similar findings. There was a、uh, 2016 study in Pain Physician、uh, that concluded that intravenous magnesium. So again, this is sometimes given in the emergency room when someone has a bad headache,、uh, but intravenous magnesium reduces acute migraine attacks within 15 to 45 minutes. Um, and 24 hours after the initial infusion,、uh, the benefit is still seen. And then also oral magnesium, so a magnesium supplement, alleviates the frequency and intensity of the migraine headache. So they concluded that intravenous and oral magnesium should be adapted as part of a、uh, holistic approach to reduce migraine headaches. Right. So I usually recommend a,、uh, a magnesium chelate. Um, so this is a formula that basically is bound to an amino acid.、Uh, I usually recommend starting at a dose, a low dose, maybe of 125 milligrams, and and increasing up to 500 milligrams daily to help prevent the migraines. Start low and increase as needed. If you're taking too much, you'll know because you'll have a、um, perhaps diarrhea or loose stool, which is one of the side effects of diarrhea, and that's your body's way of saying to cut back.、Um, There's a formula called magnesium oxide, which is usually the one doctors prescribe, and、um, it's available at pharmacies. But in my experience, it's not as helpful as the magnesium chelate, which needs to be probably purchased online or at a health food store.、Uh, the magnesium oxide is very poorly absorbed; only about four percent of it is absorbed, and it's more likely to have a laxative effect. So, if you're constipated, then the magnesium oxide might not be a bad idea. The third supplement I、um, I frequently will recommend is ginger, and ginger can actually be used in addition to、uh, riboflavin and and magnesium because ginger also has anti-nausea benefits, right? So it can be helpful for that aspect of the migraine, but also can be helpful in the prevention of a migraine.、Uh, frequently used in、uh, Ayurvedic medicine, which is a uh, traditional uh, medicine going back、uh, thousands and thousands of years,、uh, originating from India.、Uh, a 1990 study demonstrated.、Uh, The knowledge or demonstrated ginger's effectiveness in the treatment of migraines, and then another more recent 2014 study showed that ginger to be just as effective as a pharmaceutical drug, sumatriptan or imitrex, when treating migraines. Right. So again, here we have an herb with, with almost little to no side effects、um, that I'm aware of, at least.、Um, that. Is just as effective as a pharmaceutical drug. So again, not only maybe adding ginger to your diet,、uh, maybe consuming a ginger tea, but、uh, maybe even just taking a ginger supplement、uh, once or twice daily、uh, can be helpful in preventing migraines. Or if you do get the migraines, at least can be helpful with some of the uh, uh, nausea that comes along with it. The fourth supplement that,、uh, that I'm going to recommend is omega-3 fish oil. 
Okay, a, a 2017 study in nutritional neuroscience showed that omega-3 fish oils could help reduce the duration of migraine headaches. Uh, a 2012 study compared fish oil to a prescription drug called valproic acid. Uh, and basically, they found that the fish oil and valproic acid pharmaceutical combination was more effective in preventing headaches than the uh, valproic acid or the fish oil by itself. Right? And then interestingly, a 2017 study showed that fish oil and turmeric could also help reduce migraine headaches. So I'm not really going to be talking about turmeric in too much detail, but, but that's one that can be uh, used, at least not in this podcast. But this is one that can also be used to help uh, in addition to fish oil. And I usually recommend anywhere from 1,000 to 4,000 milligrams a day of the fish oil and maybe 500 to 1,000 milligrams a day of the turmeric. Um, Fifth one is coenzyme Q10. This has also been shown to uh, reduce the frequency of migraine headaches, also makes them uh, shorter in duration, less severe. And it's a very safe medication. Coenzyme Q10 is a potent antioxidant. Now, if we circle back to the uh, mitochondrial theory of migraine, so the mitochondrial dysfunction of uh, being the problem here and why migraines might be uh, due to some kind of uh, poisoning or some kind of a uh, inefficiency of the, uh, of the mitochondria, coenzyme Q10 makes sense because it's, it's a uh, important chemical in the mitochondria and helps uh, generate um, energy, as actually as does the riboflavin as well. So two of those uh, supplements that I've recommended, in addition to magnesium, uh, are very important for the mitochondria um, optimal health and function. Uh, the sixth supplement I'm going to discuss is alpha-lipoic acid. And uh, this can be taken twice a day and can help uh, prevent the frequency and duration of migraine headaches. Um, the dose is usually going to be around 600 to 800 milligrams daily. Um, alpha lipoic acid may also be helpful with some uh, diabetic uh, neuropathy. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, sleep or sleep deprivation is a common reason people uh, suffer from migraine. So there's some studies that show melatonin, right, which is the sleep vitamin. Um, has been shown to be helpful in preventing migraine headaches. A lot of times as we get older, our body makes less melatonin. And uh, also certain medications, such certain sleep medications, ironically, such as Ambien, also known as Zopidem, and uh, some of the anti-anxiety medications such as Alprazolam and Lorazepam and Diazepam and a class of meds called Benzos or Benzodiazepines. These have been shown to lower your melatonin levels. Um, so... Again, a, a 2017 study compared three milligrams of melatonin with the prescription drug valproic acid, and melatonin was found to be more effective and without side effects in the prevention of migraine headaches. So again, something to consider, especially if you have trouble sleeping. And, uh, and the usual dose of melatonin is three to 10 milligrams uh, each night. Maybe start low and then increase the dose uh, if, if the three milligrams is not enough, but usually it's taken one to two hours before bed. Uh, the last few supplements I'm just going to discuss briefly. One is called feverfew. That's an herb uh, known for its medicinal properties, frequently used to help prevent migraines. And there are some studies out there to show that it uh, can be beneficial. Uh, there was a 2016 study that showed when feverfew was taken with magnesium and coenzyme Q10, that the triad of these three uh Supplements could be useful for migraine prevention and fever few should uh, be taken at a, a dose of 250 milligrams once or twice per day. Uh, 
And then last supplement I'm going to talk about is butter, burr, right? And this medication can also help prevent、uh, migraine headaches, and it's at a dose of 75 milligrams, one to three times per day. But but rarely is this one necessary, especially、uh, with all the other supplements、uh, advised. This is probably more of a last resort. Or if the other me-、uh, supplements and medications have not been effective, you can consider、uh, butter burr. Other other useful lifestyle things that you can do also, just as we sum up here, would be you know regular exercise,、uh, yoga. There are various studies out there that show yoga can be helpful in preventing migraines. Acupuncture can be helpful for some people. Meditation and really focusing on your breathing, which can obviously help reduce stress, can help bring balance back to your body. This can also be helpful. Uh, and there's a couple of essential oils that may be beneficial as well. So chamomile essential oil may be beneficial when applied to the upper lip or when used in a diffuser, or even lavender has been shown to be beneficial in the prevention of migraine headaches. So hopefully you find this information useful. Again, if you've、uh, not been diagnosed with migraine medicine or migraine headaches, please,、uh, and you have headaches, make sure you consult with the doctor. The information I'm providing in this podcast is for those who've already been diagnosed with migraine headaches, and I do recommend discussing with your doctor uh, any uh, of the supplements、uh, that I recommend before taking them.、Uh, perhaps share this podcast with your doctor、uh, in the、um, in the description. Also, I'm going to have a link to an article that I wrote, which will have all the、uh, references and all the sources. For this、uh, information, so for、uh, if your doctor might be skeptical, you could always、uh, click on the link in the、uh, description and print up the article again, which is very well sourced. So thank you, and I hope you find this information useful. And、uh, again, please don't forget to leave a review in the Apple Podcast Store. We like to hear from you. All feedback we appreciate, good or bad. Um, and um, thank you, and have a blessed day. Disclaimer: This podcast is not intended to provide a diagnosis, treatment, or medical advice. Opinions by Dr. Madrid are for informational purposes only. Please consult with your physician regarding your situation, as each individual situation will vary.